0: All your base are belong to us. Hello, and welcome to Fake Geek Girls, a podcast looking at nerdy pop culture from both a fan and critical perspective, encouraging the things we love to do better. I'm Missy, I'm a writer, and oh my god, I'm looking at the list and there are two more things to put on it that I forgot about. Oh my god. Oh, so, this is going to
1: be a long one. Well, two life. things I also did but I forgot about them, so Buckle in. <laughs> so
0: technically I have two
1: more things to add, but we're going to talk about them. I'm Miriam marketer and yeah, this is what happens when we have busy two months. We had two conventions. Missy went to New York. Um I took a vacation but I had nothing to do with the weekend. So, um I yeah, yeah. I was really
0: busy. <laughs> Missy Missy was
1: booked and busy. I was booked and busy. <laughs>
0: Um, I guess I'll go first since I have 100 things to talk about. Oh, yeah, you did see those, didn't you? I did see this. Um, but a long time ago, we watched Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Yeah, I did this too. Yeah, this is something we both can talk about. So Bodies, Bodies, Bodies is a new-ish um, movie from A24. You probably saw the trailers for it. It stars a bunch of people and Lee Pace, which is what I am here for. Pete Davidson. Lee Pace. Lee Pace. Lee
1: Pace. Um, and the other ladies Lee who Pace. are also great.
0: Yeah. Um. So this movie, I think the reaction, I think, to this trailer was pretty divisive. It's, it's the one where it appears that a bunch of teen girls are in a house in a storm with Pete Davidson and Lee. Bins. They're influencers. They're influencers or something. And they're using a lot of slang and like social justice terminology. And they're playing a murder game called bodies, 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 except <gasps> someone actually dies. Um, So the movie is that, but it, the movie was exactly what I hoped for. I'm not yeah. going to spoil anything, but I was, I watched the trailer and I was like, this is going to go one of two ways. It's going to be really mean. To the, um, the people that people think these characters are, or it's going to be really mean to the characters as I think they are. <laughs> and it was in fact, the way I thought they they are. From the way they were throwing around terms like you're silencing me in the uh, in the trailer, I was like, Hmm. <laughs> this this really could go
1: either way, but I thought it was going to be the way that it did go. Like I was pretty confident. Like seeing, like I felt like being that blatant about the using of the term of like you're triggering me, you're saying to me or anything like that. Yeah. I felt like, there's like it felt satire.
0: It yeah, it felt satirical to me. My my fear was that the satire was going to be on like woke gen z yeah or, something or like, like that uh,
1: taking using them as the butt of the joke
0: right and they were but not in the way that you would expect because the movie throughout kind of flips the perception on its head you learn more about the characters and you see who they actually are and the story becomes a lot more fun what i will say about the movie is it is not a horror film it's not scary. There's like a couple parts where you might like jump or something, but they're not I wouldn't really call them jump scares. I would call it a comedic thriller. I th- I would call it a pitch black comedy. A pitch black comedy, like, that's good. It's a very very dark comedy. Um it is about this group of not teens, they are in college. Yeah. It's about a group of college students, one of whom is dating Pete Davidson's character. They're all going to Pete Davidson's character's house. Um, he's super rich, and uh, one of the main characters who's dating this girl named B, Um, she was best friends with him growing up. They all go to the house for a hurricane party. There's a hurricane coming, um, and you know the power goes out. They're isolated. They can't use their phones, etc. And they start playing this game called Bodies, 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 which is just a stupid game. Full disclosure.
1: It truly is just like um, that one game.
0: It's like Mafia crossed with Hide and Seek.
1: Yeah, it's like that one game, Among Us. Among
0: Us, it's an adaptation of Among
1: Us. Like a lot of things yeah. are like Among Us is like a lot of different things, but specifically the like calling out of a dead body yeah. and things like that <laughs> seems very it's similar.
0: Among- oh my god! Um, so they but all you go can't to this house. vent in it. <laughs> well, they do.
1: I guess that's true. <laughs>
0: they uh, so they play they play this game bodies bodies bodies. It turns into a fight, and then somebody turns up dead. And through the rest of the movie, it's a mixture of trying to figure out who did it, who who killed the first person to die, and also all the people who die after that, what's going on here. Um, but when I say it's a black comedy, I mean, it's like, <laughs> I think the thing it has most in common with horror, aside from the gore, because there is like a not inconserba- inconsiderable, inconsiderable? Anyway. There is gore. <laughs> um, aside from that, I think the thing it has most in common with horror is it has a cast of largely unsympathetic characters. Oh yeah. The the more time you spend with the characters, the less you like them. And even like the the most sympathetic character
1: by the end, you're like you're just an idiot.
0: Yeah, and even like and the characters who come off as unsympathetic <laughs> become more sympathetic. Yeah. <laughs>
1: of course, Miss and I leave loving loving the the dumb the dummy. Oh yeah.
0: Oh yeah. She
1: was perfect. Absolutely
0: loved her. Um... But I thought it was so fun. Like I had a great time seeing this movie.
1: I am super curious that the reaction from Gen Z for this movie because there were there were a lot of younger people in the movie, and I did hear one of them come out and be like, "That was super cringe," uh-huh. um, which we are hearing a lot. People say millennials are cringe, and I'm like, "We've yeah,
0: always I'm, been cringe." I'm cringe. I'm 33 <laughs> fucking years. Yeah, through. of course I'm cringe.
1: So I'm curious. I'd be really curious to see the reaction from a lot of Gen Z. But I think that. I don't I
0: don't think it's a movie for Gen That's Z. that's yeah,
1: I don't think it's a movie for Gen Z.
0: I because th- because I don't think Gen Z is actually using those terms. Right? I mean, some of them are for sure, but I think I think this like the movie is about college students. Like yes. it is about college students. It is it is important that they really don't look like college students. Yeah. They don't sound like college students. Like, that is purposeful. Everything about this movie is actually really purposeful in how it's delivered.
1: I thought it was really good. It was exactly what I wanted from
0: it. Yeah. And the twist
1: was spectacular.
0: I called it, I think, probably two-thirds of the... I think maybe halfway through the movie, I went, okay, here's what I think is going on. I was... And I I got two-thirds of the way through the solution, and I was like, but I I can't explain... This part. And then I turned to Mary just before like Yeah. I turned to Mary and I go and I go, you know what? What if
1: And then it was and then I was correct. Through the whole thing, I was like, it's this person. No, it's this person. No, it's this person. <laughs> yeah. It was good. I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. I am excited to watch it with my husband. Yeah. And I thought it was just really funny. I think it was it's, smart. It was funny. I don't think it I think you're right. I don't think it was for Gen Z. And I think that, that made it even better.
0: I, I think that it is kind of of a type with knives out, like in that it's a whodunit it, it's dark whodunit, and it's about the most unsympathetic group of people yeah. you've ever seen
1: in your yeah, life. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> like you it's fucking a, hate all It's a stuff. great um everybody is problematic, and yeah. we love it. We're yeah. there
0: for it. This is what I'm here for. Yeah. Also, Lovely paces dirtbag era era. He looked great. I love him. <laughs> oh, the movie was really good. Yeah, I had a blast seeing it. I had a great time. Yeah, um, that was good. Yeah, so Bodies, 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 that gets a thumbs up from me. Goodies, goodies, goodies. Goodies, goodies, goodies. <laughs> <laughs> um, you want to go next? Or sure. should I do the other one that yeah, we watch together? Do the other one we watch together. Okay, we also watch Spice World. I've never seen Spice World. Um, A fun fact about me that you probably know if you've listened to this podcast for a long time is that I am a bit of a contrarian, and I always have been. So uh, when everybody else got really into the Spice Girls when I was in fourth grade, I was like, no, thank you. Not cool enough for me. Although I did have the extremely 90s experience of being at a friend's party and (laughs) uh, drinking Surge and dancing around the hot tub to Spice Girls. (laughs) So that did happen. At least you had that. I did have that. Um, But I was never all that into Spice Girls. I was. Hardcore. Barbies played Spice
1: Girls had a Spice Girl that I was hardcore
0: yeah I did not have this experience so I had no reason to see Spice World Um, I
1: saw it like four times in the theater
0: yeah Uh, now I have seen Spice World and that was a wild movie it's so good I think it was harmed a bit in my experience by having loved Josie and the Pussycat so much yeah because they are not dissimilar Uh, they're not the same uh, Spice World is far more off the rails Than Josie and the Pussycats <laughs> And that was a buck wild movie But you can see the inspiration Oh yeah like it was a lot of fun It was a really fun movie The Having Roger Moore in it was fucking hilarious I could not believe my eyes Some of the things that happened in that movie Like the aliens Yeah absolutely fucking wild um, Alan Cumming is in both that And Josie and the Pussycats
1: <laughs> It's the same universe And I
0: support that Um but if you haven't seen it, it's a movie about the Spice Girls. Um, but things are weird. <laughs> like, I don't know how to describe it beyond that. And truth be told, it's been like three weeks since I watched it. So I don't remember the plot super clearly. There really isn't a plot. They uh, have to
1: get to a, a concert.
0: Yeah. They have to go and to their concert. friend is pregnant. And a lot of weird stuff happens as they try to get to this concert. It was a very silly. Like, extremely silly. But you know what? It wasn't boring. It was not boring. It was a lot of fun. The
1: the outfits were good. The music was good. Yeah. And they were just happy.
0: Yeah. No, it was really good. It was really enjoyable. Like, I don't know that good is the right word for it. I don't know that it's like a cinematic masterpiece. But, oh, my God, there truly is nothing else like it. It's true. Yeah, it's true. It was definitely fun to watch, um, especially watching it with friends and being like, hey, what the fuck is happening here? (laughs) um but i had a good time with it
1: same um i watched do revenge which is a new movie on netflix in which i was bamboozled this movie is good i enjoyed it but the way in which i found this movie was on tiktok and and multiple people have said this i've seen it multiple times comparing this movie to movies like heathers and i was like fuck yeah i'm i if for those who don't know, I fucking love Heather's. Like, it's one of my favorite movies. I love teen teen movies, and I love how dark it is. So I was ready to go into a dark comedic teen movie.
0: I feel like Bodies, Bodies, Bodies is closer. Yes, like, yeah. Oh, bodies, yes. Bodies, Bodies hits the same. Yes. Uh, the same one hundred percent as Heather's. <laughs> Do Revenge was
1: much more like Mean Girls, and that's fine. I like Mean Girls, but. I've seen multiple times people comparing this to Heather's and calling it a dark comedy. I would not call this a dark comedy. I would call it whatever you would call mean girls. Like mm-hmm. the same, the same meanness basically is kind of happening. Um, the, so the, the movie is about, um, God, what is it about? A girl, I mean, and there was, there was some really good commentary on certain things. Like, uh, it starts out with the girl who's in Riverdale, um, that plays Veronica and she is like super popular but she's also like really poor but no one really like knows she's really poor she has a boyfriend who is um who like coerces her essentially um into sending him um like nude videos and stuff like that and then suddenly they are spread out into the world obviously he spread them out they go she goes she gets really upset and he spins it to be where his his privacy was violated and like um he did like uh the school paper did like a whole like spotlight on him and how this affected him and all this stuff and she was she was not the victim she was the she was the one that people didn't like anymore and so she was pissed and then she gets with another girl who um is from um She's like Ethan Hawke's kid. She's from Stranger Things. She, who's, she's a lesbian and they meet and she's like, I'm transferring to your school. But the girl that was there, she, um, I know her from summer camp and we kissed and then she told everybody I held her down and kissed her against her will. And, um, so let's, and she's like, well, the girl who plays Veronica, <laughs> I, don't remember I don't remember her name. I was like, all right, well, let's do revenge. And so they work to get revenge on each other's targets, So it wouldn't seem like they're doing it themselves. Um, And it it really does follow that mean girls kind of thing where suddenly the girl who was nice and sweet turns. And she is kind of like um, turns into a mean girl. Um, And then there's a a great twist at the end. And um, I thought it was going to twist. Listen, no one dies. So we can't call it like Heathers. Um, and there is actually, there's there's clearly nods to those teen movies. Like there is a scene where it's the scene where uh, Regina George is sitting in the hallway of the school with her arms crossed and everyone's going crazy. Like they recreate that scene. Um, it's not the same thing happening, but um, there's obviously this was made... With those movies in mind, I thought it did a really interesting. The the guy who who um, who sent out who who leaked all her her nude videos creates a club of um, white male allies. (laughs) It's so funny, Um, and like the way that he does, like his character, the way that they used his character was really good. It was really funny. and just, like, he's, he's even just, like, the way he looks, he doesn't look like this, like, macho guy. He looks like he'd be a sweet guy. Um, and he's just the absolute worst. <laughs> the absolute worst. Turns out, I won't spoil that part. But, um, yeah, it was good. I liked it. If you're seeing that, it's like Heathers. It is not. No one dies. Oh, Jawbreaker is another one people are comparing it to. And I'm like, nobody dies. It is. It is. And, and like, Jennifer's body. Those are the ones that I keep seeing and mean girls and the mean girls is correct um i would not compare it to jennifer's body jawbreaker or heather's maybe jawbreaker is the closest one um but no one dies no one dies (laughs) i thought at one point some people were but they didn't so um so i went into it with a different a different um idea of what was going to happen. But I liked it. It was good. I think it's worth watching. I think that I wish it would have gotten more promotion because I think that it's a really good, like, teen movie. Um, but it is not like what people were saying it was.
0: Bummer. Yeah. But it was good. Add it to your to your jar. Good. I think you'll like it. Yeah. Um, I read the Bruising of Kilwa by Nasim Jamnia. Full hey, uh, Nasim is a friend. Yeah, go He Used to edit uh, side quests with me. They're just really cool. They are really cool. Um, so, uh, this is their debut novella. Um, which love a novella, yeah. Which is set in a Persian-inspired world. Um, and it follows a character named Firuz. And I apologize so much for my pronunciation of things, which are almost certainly wrong. This is so white. I am. It's true. Um. So the book follows a character named Farooz who immigrates to uh, what's called the free democratic city state of Kilwa. Uh, and they are leaving their homeland of uh, Sasania, I think is what it was. Um, and they come to this place, Kilwa in the middle of a plague and they get, Uh, a job working at a free healing healing clinic with a character named kofi um and as they're working in this clinic a lot of things begin to not add up (laughs) um they find uh an orphan oh important note uh firuz practices uh blood magic hell yeah um they are able to do things with blood like that's the primary way that they engage with magic um they there are other forms of magic in the world blood magic is generally uh kept secret um for reasons that are you know kind of addressed throughout the book um but um there are other forms of magic that people practice, which I thought was really cool. The way that magic is discussed in this book is less like, Oh, there's like elemental magic and there's blood magic. It's like one of the types of magic is called like structural magic. Um, and it, it, it was just a really interesting way of looking at it to me. Um, anyway, Firuz works in this clinic. Uh, they start getting people coming to the clinic with a different illness that they are having trouble healing. um, uh, Firuz also starts mentoring uh, a refugee who also uses blood magic, um, and there's just a lot. There's a lot going on that kind of all comes together in the end. In I found what I found to be a really exciting and satisfying conclusion that I didn't see coming. Um, I really liked it. Like again, like I know the author, <laughs> so you know. Um, but I really, really liked it. One of the things I thought was really cool is that um, Nasim is a non-binary writer and they really crafted this world that is like described in the blurb as being queer normative. And one of the ways that that manifests and that I found really effective was something we've talked about before on this podcast is like when you're looking at, you know, because in in, you know, home uh not homonormative we don't live in a homonormative world in a heteronormative world that relies on binary gender we make assumptions about like people's gender based on their physical appearance right and we know that that's not like a great thing to do but like we don't always see the easiest way out of that and in the world that jamnia or nasim has created i'm used to referring to authors by their last name but like i know this person so um in the world that they've created um The world that the the place that Firuz comes from is uh like they introduce themselves with their pronouns. So like Firuz introduces themselves as they they Firuz um and that signals to people what pronouns they should use to refer to them, um which is really cool and just like so simple. Uh, It also addresses uh like what transness looks like in this world with magic like what. What does it mean to be trans in a world where, you know, you can change your body with magic? Is that difficult? Is that simple? Um, Again, just really cool. And, like, I love the fact that Nassim thought of this in creating their world. Um, It's also super gross, which, (laughs) you know, I appreciate. It was so gross. This is a book about plagues. um, And, like, there's autopsies. And it's nasty, And I love that for it. (laughs) Overall, I really, really like this book. I thought it was really good. I liked it a lot. not just because you're friends with Nassim. And not just because I'm friends with Nassim. If I didn't like the book, I wouldn't talk about it. This is it. true. Um, but I really liked it. And I think that if any of that sounds interesting to you, it's totally worth a read. Um, I found Nassim's, like, note at the end, which explains some of the inspiration as far as, like, the political background um, that led to, like, how they discussed these different areas within the book. Um I found that really informative uh, and it really kind of cast the conflict in a new light. Um, the only complaint I have about the book is that uh, I want like more of it. <laughs> you
1: didn't want it to be a novella.
0: I didn't. Yeah, <laughs> I would have loved more. Thankfully, they're working on more books in this universe. Oh, nice. So, you know, check it out. I again, I had a great time with it and I really, really liked it. Nice. So, great job, Nassim. Good job, Nassim.
1: As soon as that comes out on audiobook, I'm getting it.
0: Yeah. So, check that one out if any of that sounds interesting to you, because I thought it was great. Nice. I read uh, Things
1: You Never Got Over by Lucy Score. I've seen this constantly on Kindle Unlimited. It's like one of the top Kindle Limited books. And it looks like the cover kind of reminds me of Colleen Hoover, so I never really like. Looked at it. And then I saw a TikTok that was talking about how it's a grumpy sunshine and, you know, he's a bearded man. I was like, well, fuck, I guess I gotta fucking read it. And it was super cute. It was super, super cute. So the story is about a girl who her name's Naomi. I only know this because I pulled up the Goodreads. So it's not like I super remember anything. Um, and she, it begins the book where she's a runaway bride. Um, and she gets a note from her twin sister who essentially is the black sheep of the family that she needs help she's in big trouble she needs help and she needs money and so she runs away from her wedding and um who, from a, from a fiance who was just rude to her, just terrible, just terrible to her, um, and used her and she was comfortable. And so that's why she was getting married. And she runs away to this town that she's living in and she goes into, she immediately goes into a coffee shop to get coffee and people, the, they start yelling at her and she's like, what the hell? I just came here. Like, what is wrong? Turns out her sister has like, Terrorized everybody in this town. And then come walks in, this guy walks in, giant man with tattoos and really good hair. And he starts yelling at her and to get out. And she's like, I am not my sister. And he's like, Oh, good. Yeah, because I'm going to fall for that one. And then they find out that she is not her sister. She's waiting for her sister. And he immediately becomes super protective. Love it. Love a protective big dude. Um, And and she doesn't have her car stolen like right away, obviously, by her sister. They go to her sister's house and nothing is there. They go to the motel. I No, she's staying at the motel. She goes to the house. No one's there except for a 14-year-old girl. Turns out she has a niece she never knew about. And the story continues of her having to take care of her niece um, while her, her, her sister, the niece's mom, um, had run off with the boyfriend and was like, I'll be back. And, um, so she's like, I guess I got, you know, she's forced into, into this relationship with her niece and the guy helps her out and she has to get a job at the, um, restaurant he owns. And he's so angry about it, because obviously he hates her. He hates her so much. He wants to kiss her. And he gets her a place to stay because he hates her so much. And it happens to be right next to his mother's house, because he hates her so much. Um, and yeah, that's kind of what it is. He hates her so much. He loves her. And but the issue is that he has Commitment issues where he doesn't really believe in love, or he doesn't believe, like, even if there is love, like um, it can't last because he his issues with his um his mother had died and um they and his father had fallen into alcoholism and he because of his the his mom dying and he couldn't deal with it. So the idea was that he would never wanted to be so dependent on somebody that if they had left, He would he would also spiral because there are too many people counting on him. He won the lottery a while ago and he essentially um, helped the whole town and he kept forcing money onto his brother and his brother didn't want it. And um, he they grew up getting in trouble by the police a lot. And so he didn't really like the police, and the police were corrupt at the time. And I was like, "Yeah, A.C.A.B. This, this is an A.C.A.B. book. This is an A.C.A.B. book." And he gives the he gives like two million dollars to his brother, and his brother uses it to because he's a police officer to redo the whole and police um station and names it after him. Um and he's pissed off cuz he doesn't like the police. He doesn't like the fact that his brother or uh his brother is um the sheriff. He hates it actually. He doesn't talk to his brother anymore. Like yeah, fuck yeah. Fuck the police. Um but then it comes like, oh, didn't he like reform it? The next book is about his brother and I really like this book so like I'll fucking read it, I guess. Um but bleh. <laughs> Uh, you know it was really cute though it it was really cute i was a little worried to read it um because like i don't know sometimes when people have kids and books it sometimes is hard and sometimes isn't this one wasn't difficult probably because she was a 14 year old in which she essentially adopted um but it's it is exactly it's it's a very easy read it's a very like um the, the stakes are low, you know, the things I like, the shit I like. Um, but yeah, it, it, I think it is a good, it is a good book. I really liked it. And, um, I don't know if it deserves to be like at the top of like best Kindle unlimited books for like a year. It's not a year, but for a long time, I kept seeing it there. Um, but it is really good. And there is going to be a second one. Who knows when it'll be out. But uh, like I said, it is unfortunately about the cop brother. Also read it because the girl they introduced is, um, so annoying and I but like in a really good way um, they did there is an extra bonus epilogue scene and they did completely spoil <laughs> but that's fine I don't really care that much about certain spoilers Um, you know everyone has a baby in these things um, but I will say the, the more and more romance books I read and I see this more and more is and I really like I would like some more challenging of male and female um, roles. Uh, you know, I love a good protective dude, but that doesn't mean we have to fall into like he smelled like man. <laughs> like I like I think that we can have it both ways. <laughs> so I'm reading like the more and more I read, the more like tiresome that kind of thing gets. Um, and it was like hardcore in this, obviously, because he's like this bearded dude and stuff like that. Um, but I'll I'll find it somewhere at some point where they don't lean into that. Um, I just think we can have it both ways.
0: But yeah, I liked it. It was good. Nice. Um, I read Bun and Tea number one. Uh, Again, full disclosure. Um, (laughs) This was edited by Claire Napier, a former editor of... Uh, we'll whack and it includes a comic by Nola Fowl who is my Aye. friend. So- Love Nola. <laughs> so uh, again <laughs> bit of a disclosure needed. Um Bun and Tea is a uh comics magazine um that consists of the first chapter of several comics from like up and coming writers and cartoonists. Um and yeah it was delightful it's done in the style of a of like a very specific kind of magazine there's quizzes in it oh that's cool interviews in it it has a mascot who is a cute little rabbit um it was adorable and a lot of the stories in it were like really fun and like grabbed me and now i desperately need an issue two. i don't know if there is an issue two on the imminent horizon <laughs> i hope there is because i really want to see where some of these stories are going um but it was an absolute blast to read and if you are interested in you know, independent comics and you want to know like, hey, who are some people making really interesting work? Stuff like this is a great way to get introduced to it. Um, a lot of talented creators in here. I thought it was just so fun like as to have this magazine format um, with like the whole like essays and stuff like that. I loved uh, Claire's essay about photo comics and like making photo comics um yeah it was great i hope that there's more in the future i know it was it was funded on kickstarter in 2019 and then we had you know a pandemic (laughs) um so that definitely threw a wrench into a lot of things um but i hope there is an issue an issue too on the horizon especially because i want to see where these stories are going and you only get chapter one (laughs) um but if you like indie comics if you want to check out some indie comics uh check out bun and tea i know it was funded there is a digital version i have the print version as well um i was actually gonna look and see if there is a place to buy it online i'm not sure if i can if i can find it and if i remember it i will put it in the show notes but uh i really liked it so check it out
1: I read "Until You" by um, Katharina M A U R A Mara Mara Mara, um, and it is it is a it is a um, age gap fall brother's best friend falls in love with best friend's sister. Love it, love it. One of my favorite tropes. Um, she is a. Um, I want to say coder and that is not correct. She's in tech. We'll just say that. Um, And she works in like um, at an office. She's actually a salesperson for the software, but she's an engineer. She's a computer engineer. Um, She is actually in sales because no one will give her the opportunity because she's a woman. She has a lot of issues, even though that she, her boyfriend at the time um, is part of the development team and he has her do a bunch of stuff. For it, And then takes credit for it. Um, and she's just like, well, you know, I just want to live a normal life because her parents were her and her brother's parents were killed when they were younger. And she's just trying to have a normal life. And so she stays with this terrible person, come home, comes home one day, finds out he's cheating on her with this with the receptionist at the work and also turns out he's just been using her for her brain and has probably been cheating with her this entire time so she's like god damn it um goes to her brother where the brother's friend his name's grayson he's like well you can come live with me in california until you can um get your feet on the ground and then she looks at something he's coding he's he's like a big wig in um software development like the biggest you can think of and he also they were all poor together and so he's created this life for him where he's very very well off and she fixed some code for him really quickly and he's like please come work for me please come work for me and she's like well i guess i guess i'll come live at your fancy house (laughs) and like work at your fancy job and get paid a shit ton of money (laughs) so hard um so she moves over there and um they fall in love and um one of the things that happens is there is a vigilante website in which she actually created and her codename on it is nix and his is ash and they don't know that they're actually talking to each other and he's fallen for her uh, over the past year or so that they've been working together on um different different crime like cases and things like that where uh clearly the person's innocent but they can't get enough information to show that they're innocent so they'll like hack Different computers, like um, a hospital or a police station, to get the evidence in order to convict the the correct person for it. And then he eventually finds out that it's her. But he finds out it's her before she figures out that he knew. And then she's like, they're kind of dating. And then she's like, well, he's been talking to somebody he thinks is somebody else, and has said some pretty dirty things. And so she responds to him and's like, yeah, let's finally get together and fuck. And he's like you know it and she's like I cannot believe you I cannot believe you he's like I've known it's you forever you're an idiot Um, and yeah that's basically it (laughs) it was it was okay it wasn't great I like I really like it had all the tropes I like I like the um, computer hacker engineer vigilante I like that and stuff like that That was really fun Um, but it was just alright it wasn't great Uh, I started to read the next book which is about her brother and I just didn't care so I stopped. Um, uh, he's a doctor, and he falls in love with the one person he's not supposed to. You know, this is a this is a bunch of forbidden romance stuff. And um, yeah, it was all right. It was okay. It was it was okay. I had the good tropes I liked, and I think that's what carried it for me.
0: Nice. Um, this is a bit of a two parter because I started watching Nightmare Alley on the plane from New York to Washington, and. Uh, it was the edited version, um, which is 15 entire minutes shorter That's a lot. Than the, than the full version. So I watched the first, uh, almost the whole thing, but then we arrived earlier than expected. Um, so I didn't finish the movie, but then I watched it again <laughs> and I saw all the bits that were cut out. Well, should they have been cut out? It was a lot of, you know, blood and mm. one sexy bit. Um, the sex, it was funny because they only cut like one shot from the sexy bit. So it, (laughs) obviously this is a, this is a, a risque conversation, but there's a bit where the main character is in a bathtub and there's a woman next to him. And in the, in the edited version, she just kisses him. And I was like, "Well, whatever." Uh, it turns out she puts his, puts her hand in the water, just ah, jerking him off at the uh, same time. I that see. was not clear from the edited I version. See, I see. Uh,
1: I love that they edited that. But when I was on a plane, somebody was watching James Bond, where he's just getting hit in the nuts, that's and he's fine. naked.
0: Violence is fine. Oh it just my can't god! Be too- but he's naked. Whatever. Um. Anyway, Nightmare Alley is about. Uh, I think his name is Stan or something. Anyway, he's played by Bradley Cooper in what I think is Bradley Cooper's best look because Mm -hmm. he looks like shit. Um, He is this man. You don't really know his backstory. um, You just know that you see him put a body into the basement of a house and set the house on fire. Mm -hmm. You don't know why he did this. That's how the movie opens. He ends up joining up with a circus, uh, like a traveling circus. And... um, He learns a bit about the concept of a geek, which is...
1: Oh, I've watched part of this, I realized The movie? Yeah, Bob was watching it. Oh,
0: so he he learns about the concept of a geek, which is not, like, how we use it. It's a... uh, He's a fake geek girl. (laughs) He learns about... uh, (laughs) It's gross. He learns about the geek, which is a circus act that essentially eats live animals for entertainment. Um, He learns about that. He ends up uh, sort of being mentored by a mentalist. Uh, a mentalist team mentalism if you're not familiar is a type of stage magic that is not sleight of hand based it may be combined with sleight of hand but it's usually uses techniques like cold reading and misdirection and that kind of thing to make it appear as if they're mind readers um he starts learning about that uh some shit happens (laughs) Cut, cut forward to the future he's now an established mentalist and uh the movie takes a very noir turn um,
1: I did not see the very beginning of this movie or the very end. But I was <laughs> watching it and I was like laying down on the bed and watched part of it.
0: Yeah. I really liked this movie. I can see why some people didn't like it. Um, it is quite slow. It was pretty slow. It's really... The beginning is too long. Um, but this movie has a lot of things I like in it. It has a man who is handsome, Bradley <laughs> Cooper, Uh Bradley Cooper is largely like not interesting to me visually but he looks like shit in this movie (laughs) so I'm down Um, it has a circus it has magic not magic it has noir Um, it has a movie it's a movie about somebody just making like making their life suck so bad because of their choices just getting progressively worse and I love that (laughs) like I love watching somebody ruin their life uh in a movie not in I distinctly hate that in real life I love watching it in a movie um it was it's a Guillermo del Toro movie so it's like brutal and disgusting but also like so lush to look at the colors and the 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 art direction and that kind of stuff ugh it's beautiful um so it was very much a movie for me like I really enjoyed it um it's not Guillermo del Toro's best movie I don't think I think that still belongs to Pan's Labyrinth mm um but i really liked it i had a great time watching it i keep thinking about it um i really liked that it kind of shows like one potential way that mentalism works because then my husband and i went and watched a bunch of clips of mentalists and we're like oh now i see how you did that um my husband really enjoys stage magic and fucking hates mentalism so (laughs) it was extra enjoyable uh that's i think that's how i pitched the movie to him because i was like oh you want to watch a movie about a terrible mentalist (laughs) um also great performances there were a ton of like super famous people in it that kicked ass like at their performances like tony collette criminally underappreciated um doing a great job uh ron perlman is in it doing a great job uh glad to see uh bradley cooper playing a character who was ostensibly charming but such a shit i was like this is what bradley cooper is born for not to be a likable asshole but to be a charming asshole who you're still nonetheless fully aware is an asshole. Um, God, who else was in it? Uh, Kate Blanchett playing an excellent. She's not really a femme fatale, but she's kind of a femme fatale. Um, did an excellent job. Um, I, yeah, it was really good. I really liked it. It's definitely not for everybody. Um, but if you like to watch a disaster unfold um, with a bit of noir to it, then. This one, you should check it out. Nice.
1: Um, I watched Terminator and Terminator 2 because my husband wanted me to. Um, I had seen most of Terminator 2, uh, but I watched Termin- the first Terminator. Wow. Not a good movie. Don't <laughs> care what anyone says. My husband was offended when I said that. There's no plot. Uh, well, the plot of the first movie is Terminator comes to the 80s to kill Sarah Connor because... Her son is part of the rebellion. Mm -hmm. That's it. There's nothing else. That's it.
0: I don't know. I don't mind a movie without a plot.
1: It was I did not like it. It was not Well, it, I'm
0: not saying you have to like it. No. I don't think the problem is no plot. The problem
1: was it was boring to me.
0: <laughs> it was
1: just boring. I'm not super into action. I think my husband thought I would like it cuz I really love sci-fi, but it just wasn't it just wasn't for me. I was way more interested in how they got to the point where the um machines took over. Like I wanted to know that part way more. Um but um it didn't talk about that and essentially in the end he fi- terminator fails <laughs> and he dies um in the second one he comes back because he's programmed to protect her son it starts with her in the men- in a mental institution being like there's a terminator you guys are all going to die Um, which like fair she like who would believe her right and then they come back the Terminator comes back gets her out of there goes to get her son um, who's just a little shit and then her son and Terminator make friends and they're best friends and it's not even an exaggeration and uh, they try to go find the guy who creates all the Terminators and to stop the whole thing from happening and of course that doesn't work Um, but yeah they're best friends spoiler at the end he dies and all the, every single man cries. Mm-hmm. It's like, I think that's the one where he puts his thumb up, right? It is. Yeah. yeah and it's like every man cries at it. Mm-hmm. It's just like a fact of life. Um, whereas I said it was better than the first one.
0: I, it was I better. Really like, I like Terminator 2. Terminator 2 was
1: way better than the first one. There was a real plot. It made sense. The kid was a little shit. I enjoyed that. Um, I, I don't know why... I, Listen, I don't want to be a bitch. You could take this out, but like, I don't know why everyone has such a hard on for Sarah Connor. She's not cute. You're wrong. I don't. I'm not you're into wrong. it. I'm not into it. <laughs> this is the straightest you've ever been in your life. <laughs> I'm just like she's a buff lady, and that's cool. But like, I don't find her very attractive. I am straight though, so you're wrong. I still don't like the fact that every like all these dudes are always like, "Well, Sarah Connor." and i'm just like she she's very similar to many other characters yeah <laughs> yeah She's very similar to many other characters and I don't think that there is anything like super special about her compared to other characters that men get get on. No, it's
0: it she is very much in the vein of Ripley or
1: Yeah, I think Ripley's cooler, but I think that that alien's a better movie, so that's probably why. Um and yeah, I really really did not like the first one. I I had a good time watching the second one. I will probably watch the others um it's just there's like i just zone out when there's the big fights that's what i do every time i watch yeah i just like secretly got on my phone so my husband would be like you need to watch um, but Yeah, it was all right. The second one definitely was better. I cannot believe they got a second one made.
0: <laughs> I don't remember the first one. I assume oh, I there's it. not memorable. It's not memorable. I assume I've watched it, but I like the second one. It's not my, like my favorite movie or anything. They could have but... easily put the first one 10 minutes into the second one and it would have been perfect. The second one I watched when I was a kid and it scared the shit out of me. That's, I mean, that's fair mostly the mostly the playground on fire but scared the, that is really scary Scared the shit out of me that's
1: really fair it's a, it's a very like dramatic upsetting emotional um scene yeah so that's very fair why
0: did i as a child have such a fear of nuclear weapons that fucking movie that's why like unreasonable unreasonable fear for a child of the 90s of the 80s of the 90s? No. No. I had an unreasonable fear because of Terminator 2. That's fair. It was pretty
1: emotional. But yeah, the second one's way better. I can't believe it got a second one made, but good <laughs> thing it did.
0: Um, Also, I... you can
1: see Arnold naked.
0: Oh. Well,
1: everything. The whole short's and naked. Except his wiener. Oh, you can't see his wiener. can't right. see his wiener. If it was made now, you probably could. Yeah.
0: I read All We Can Save, uh, which is edited by Ayana Elizabeth Johnson and Catherine K. Wilkinson. This is a collection of essays about the climate crisis. Um, of course you read this. Yes. I really, really liked it. I think that this is maybe essential reading. Um, we all know that the climate crisis is happening. We all know. right? Even if you deny it, Even you know. Even if you deny it, you know. Um, And we know that it is, we have to do something. We know this. We know that the odds are against us in terms of our governments, like throughout the world, mobilizing enough to do enough. Um, What this book excels at for me is talking about the climate crisis realistically and not necessarily providing hope because that's something that a lot of climate activists resist Because hope, having a lot of hope essentially gives you permission to relax. Mm -hmm. And it's like relaxing when your house is on fire. Like you're sitting in your bathtub going, well, I'm not going to burn. But the house is on fire. You should stop it. Um, This book is very good about both providing the evidence that climate change is real climate change is happening, things are bad, but also things can not be bad. We can stop it. We can slow it down. Things do not have to be as bad as they could be. Um, It's very realistic about things like eco-anxiety and climate grief. It is realistic about what the average person is capable of doing it places the blame where it belongs on governments, on fossil fuels, on billionaires. Um, and it tells you in no uncertain terms, what you as an individual can do. And it's not recycling. Mm -hmm. It's getting involved in local politics. It's calling your representatives. It's making a point to never shut up about climate, even if it makes everybody in the room uncomfortable. Um, It is not hopeful in the sense of it's all going to work out. It's hopeful in the sense of it doesn't have to be as bad as it can be. Um, The title, all we can save is reflective of how important it is to save all we can save. Every little bit is worth it. Um, There's a great essay by uh, Mary Anais Heglar, who is one of my favorite climate writers. She does have an essay in this book. I can't remember if it's this one. Um, where she says something to the to the uh, effect of, like, if all I can save is one blade of grass, that is enough. Like, if all I can do is protect one blade of grass, it is worth it. It is worth it to put in the effort for all that we can do. Um, so I really liked this book. I thought it was super effective if you are... Um, unsure of what you can do in the face of climate change this is a good read i found it largely not depressing that's good um there are some sections toward the middle specifically the sections that talk about eco-anxiety and climate grief that can be very upsetting um talking about the effects that it has on people um with not with but like that are mental health related um there is like a growing number of psychiatrists and therapists who are working specifically with eco-anxiety and climate Hmm. grief as real symptoms and like real it's it's difficult to say mental illness because they are caused by it's like situational anxiety and
1: depression yeah it
0: is effectively government inaction causing (laughs) causing uh trauma to people um there are a growing number of therapists and psychiatrists who are working with patients specifically about eco-anxiety as opposed to general anxiety for example who are working with clients specifically on the basis of climate grief and like grieving the future that you thought was ahead of you um which is all very like good to know um and i appreciate the book's uh willingness to to talk about that that's the only part of the book i found like especially depressing um other people your mileage may vary primarily because i read a lot about climate uh, so some of it might be news to you if you don't read a lot about climate. Um, but again, I think this is kind of essential reading. Like this is shit we all need to know about and we need to be informed about. And we need to understand that recycling is great. We should recycle. It's easy to do. It is not the answer. you know? it I think I'm pretty sure I was reading in this book about like where the idea of a carbon footprint comes from that was created by fossil fuel companies. Really? Yeah, they created that to shift responsibility away from themselves and to put it on the individual. The mean, whatever your climate footprint is as an individual, it does not compare to the climate footprint of fossil fuel companies. It's Interesting. Simply not the same. Like a fossil fuel company is going to have a carbon footprint far larger than any single human could ever conceive of. So the answer is not, "Hey everybody, switch to electric cars." It's get the f- get fucking fossil fuels get rid of those you mm-hmm. know like yes we can we can you know suggest that people switch to electric cars it's not the same like it's simply not the same and so if you are I, I just think this is a book everybody should read to be honest um i again i didn't find it especially depressing there were some parts that were difficult to read um but it is effective in the fact that it it makes you feel galvanized to take action it doesn't make you feel like it's not worth it. That is the opposite of the point of this book. The point of this book is it is worth it. Mm. Whatever little bit you can do is worth it. Whatever piece you can save is worth it. Whatever fraction of a degree we manage to keep the earth from warming is fucking worth it. Um so yeah, very, very good. Absolutely worth reading. Um it was it was great. Like highly recommend it. Nice. You should do your next one
1: too, because I'm doing selling OC. That would be better to come okay. after.
0: So I also watched all of Selling Sunset. Um, Mary talked about this a while ago. This is the worst reality show about, I mean, this is the worst reality show period. It's about um, a real estate office in Los Angeles uh, comprised of two brothers and a bunch of hot women mm-hmm. uh, who sell real estate and they sell the ugliest houses to wealthy people. The houses are hideous. Um, some of them are okay most of them are really ugly um, and the show is mostly about drama it's just like who's fighting with whom this week who backstabbed whom as the show goes on um, Christine goes from sometime rabble rouser to full-on villain she's wonderful and I can't her weird purses I cannot stress enough I don't know if I can watch the show without Christine yeah, I What's think the they're. Point?
1: I think they brought in um, what t- to take over the spot of Christine because I think that they probably knew she was leaving. Yeah. Um, spoilers, and I don't think it's going to be the same.
0: No, Chelsea is not a replacement for Christine. Davina was working her way there, but then she turned over a new leaf. Yeah, suddenly she's like absolute opposite.
1: Yeah, I had to keep my mouth shut so long. When you're like, Davina's awful. I was like, the, hmm. yeah. The- I mean, it is awful that she just completely flipped.
0: Yeah, Davina. Davina was actually, to, in my opinion, worse than Christine because, like, with Christine, you know, like, yeah, you know who yeah. Christine is. Davina is just like I'm going to go behind everybody's back and tell everybody's business. And yeah. then at Chris, at fucking whose wedding was it? Christine's. At I, Christine's wedding, she's like, "Hey, Chriselle, we don't know both sides of yeah, your divorce. There are two Could it be sides. Your fault? <laughs> there are two sides. So Davina, in my opinion, was way worse." But then she disappeared for like a season and then came back and had turned over a new leaf and now she's boring. Um Amanda is the only good person. Amanda, yeah, I would say is probably the least morally repugnant. Did you feel that the you finished the all of it, right? Yes.
1: Did you feel that the relationship between Trishal and what's his name was real? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Did you notice how in the reunion when Chriselle um says that she is dating um the non-binary rapper from Australia, that what's his face then continues to talk about how, like, oh, who's kissed a girl? Yeah. And it's like Chriselle is dating a non-binary person, yeah. not a girl. I saw people talking about that and I didn't catch it. And I was like, Oh yeah, that is kind of weird for the guy from Queer Eye. To not
0: catch that. Well, wasn't that. he the one in that episode with a non-binary person where he had, like, the hardest time? Oh, really? I can't remember. This is legitimately qu- a question. Oh, I don't know. I can't remember. Um, I feel like Tan was one of the ones that had a really hard time, like, grasping what they were talking about mm, it might be that might be true because
1: it feels that way when um Chriselle is like I, I i also feel like it must have been really jason that's who it was really hard for jason to hear like we broke up because i wouldn't have children and now you're dating somebody who's non-binary and cannot give you children essentially yeah. i'm like that must have been really hard but also shows like was it really love then
0: well i think the thing i think the thing to remember here is that J- the, it's not can't give you children Jason didn't want to be a father. Oh yeah, that's true. It's he the, didn't want to be a father. It's not like Jay That's a good point. Uh, G Flip and Chriselle may not G be able may not be able to have biological children together, but they could still have children together. That is a really good
1: point. I never thought about that. That is true. He did not want to be a father. Yeah, he didn't
0: want to be a father.
1: Yeah, which is fair.
0: Yeah. Um, I also don't think he'd be a good father. Probably not. So. Um. So, But I do think that you could see, I mean, well, he made it pretty clear during the reunion that he was, like, devastated. He was, he yeah. Was, he was I thought devastated. it was real, but a lot of people thought it was fake. I read it as real to me. I, he was really upset, and you don't see that either of... That man does of, not
1: show emotion. Yeah, I was going to say, you don't see either of them show emotion, and it really felt like his other brother was, like, not happy with the relationship. Yeah. Yeah, so I thought it was really interesting, and... um. I don't like either of them, so it was great.
0: The reunion was brutal. It, it was. I and was I, honestly living. Like, I know, like, Tan, with the with the question about who's kissed a girl thing, that was shitty. But, yeah. like, Tan was a brutal questioner. It was great. Cautioner. That's yeah. what I want. Yeah. I want to see, like, I want to see these people quaking in their boots. I was really upset Christine wasn't there. And I know why. She
1: she wasn't there because of the whole $5,000 thing. I know for sure. Which,
0: I was reading more about it. And, like, what she did is still unethical, what, for context, Um, in the show, uh... Emma, who is. Sucks. Sucks. Emma, Christine accused Emma and told everybody that Emma essentially stole, stole her, fiance. her fiance. And it's like revealed throughout the show that like 90% of what Christine said was complete and utter bullshit with yeah. regard to this. But Emma said a client of hers was offered $5,000 by Christine or by like somebody representing Christine to work with Christine in. Selling or purchasing a home instead of Emma. I realize that sounds really confusing, but basically it was bribery. In the show, they made it sound as if like Christine had straight up offered five thousand dollars, which is nonsense because like they're working with multi million dollar homes. Yeah, like what what is five thousand dollars? From my understanding, it was what she did was unethical, regardless. But it was not like unheard of, unheard of, or lose your license, worthy. (laughs) Real estate is not very ethical. So, like. (laughs) Well, my understanding, and I haven't like confirmed this. I don't have any secret source or anything. <laughs> uh, my understanding was that she essentially offered a discount. Ah. Like, I'll take $5,000 off my commission if mm. you work with me instead of Emma, which is. You know, it, it it equates to roughly the same thing, but it is fundamentally different from I will give you five thousand dollars to yeah. not work with Emma. Yeah. Um. Is it shady? Absolutely. Is like, Emma shady? Yeah. yeah. Like nobody on this show is above
1: reproach. Like, I cannot stand Emma or what's her face that got married. Heather. Heather. Heather's so annoying. Yeah.
0: Heather has Heather
1: has no brain. <laughs> she has no brain. Mary. <laughs> has the worst taste in men (laughs) marion romaine (sighs) romaine lettuce yeah
0: salad boy uh his head's full of dressing his head is full of dressing it is a trash show like it's utter and complete trash but i did have fun watching it it's so easy to zone out and not think about anything i just love watching christine she's awful she is she's so much fun though like so much fun to watch be terrible i've heard in real life the rumors are in real life she's actually a really
1: nice person yeah <laughs> she's like super nice and i wish I don't know
0: i can't really i can't quite get behind that because some of the stuff she did with the press was awful yeah that's like, very true like that stuff that did that wasn't part of the show it i've i've seen some people saying like she was nice and then she kind of got too into her mm. character she method acted too hard <laughs> uh, that would make sense but i like I can't say that she's probably really nice in real life because, like, some of the shit she did with the press—I can't remember <laughs> specifics—but like,
1: she said that uh, Heather, I think it was a Heather, someone cheated on somebody or like questioned their f- uh, fertility, questioned their uh, fidelity. fidelity.
0: Yeah, that, like, and like leaking stuff to the press or yeah. like, suge- I don't know. Like, some of that shit was outside the scope of the show <laughs> and like not okay. The acting within the show, like, uh, it's a, you know, quote, reality show. It's a s- show, very but, like, fake show. It's super fake. So it's by the same person
1: that did uh, Laguna Beach. Right. Who, uh, like, at the, for those who don't know, at the very end of Laguna Beach, they pan out and Lauren Conrad is, like, reading a script and then, like, there's, like, cut. And then you see all, like, the film crew. Like, it, it's it's basically revealed, like, most of this was scripted. Right. Um, there's scenes that are so
0: clearly scripted in Selling Sunset. Like, when he's on the phone, but it's, like, his camera upside down. That kind of thing. This is what gets me about that. Somebody knew. So, like... They, I think they're just leaning in. So I, think that so. like, I think so. Fake. I think so. It doesn't read as a mistake because it's so
1: obvious, especially with like, how Laguna Beach ended.
0: Yeah, and it being
1: the same person. I've also heard the guy that does Laguna Beach is a creep.
0: I believe that. Um, but yeah, I love that show. It was a mess. It was a disaster, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I would watch Christine do anything. The Christine show. Yeah, her outfits are so good. Her purse. That's a chair. Wild. So wild. It was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. It, it wasn't was. good. No. But if you wanna watch something wild, uh, it's a good one for that.
1: I watched the um spin off of selling sunset selling the oc in which they just get straight into being terrible selling sunset just gets like each season gets pro- they get progressively worse and worse and selling the oc they just start out terrible just absolutely horrendous people i don't really have much to say about it it's still really ugly um homes um uh, the people are pretty terrible Britney Snow's husband's on it he's a huge flirt like his tagline is essentially i'm married and um you know uh there's a line but i'm pretty sure it's him there's a line when you're married but i get pretty close to it and i don't go over oh like so messed up there's another guy that like doesn't invite his wife to anything and like he's like their work parties babe and just, like, all this crazy stuff and, like, someone tries to make out with somebody and then they talk about it forever and nobody sells homes. <laughs> like, in the end of Selling Sunset, no one sells homes. There's, like, no homes sold at that point. Um, And it feels the same. There's, like, barely any any homes sold. There's like, this one situation where this guy, who seems like the, the calmest person, pulls one of the girls aside and is like, hey... I just want you to know, like, um, my wife kind of felt snubbed by you. You kind of, she felt like sh- you ignored her. She didn't want me to say anything, but as her husband, like, I wanted to say something just so you know. So I don't think you did it on purpose. Maybe it was an accident. Um, so maybe like next time you could like make it part of your reason like go say something she freaked out had a whole thing where she was like she just made it this huge thing where he was accusing her of being a bad person and which she is a bad person and it was just wild it was a wild wild time um i watched it all in like two days it was great um but if you like selling sunset and you like all the crazy i suggest selling the oc it's only like eight episodes it's wild Um, there's a guy who has a crazy looking mother and, um, they're
0: all stupid rich. Um, so I went to New York and I saw two shows in New York. Uh, did I fly to New York to watch Broadway shows? (laughs) Maybe only God can judge me. Um, the, the reason I did go was because (laughs) I really like musicals and I had listened to the Beetlejuice musical and then it stopped on Broadway for COVID. And also it seemed to be the end of Beetlejuice. I was like, well, fuck, I never got to see that one. And then I got an ad on Instagram that's like, Beetlejuice is back. And I was like, oh, fuck, I gotta go. <laughs> and I went. Um, So I saw Beetlejuice. It's now canceled again. It's not. It, so Beetlejuice is now, can't. it's ending, it's run again. Apparently it's going to tour. Uh, there are some tour dates up. There is none for here.
1: Um, no, what about Oregon?
0: I didn't see any for Oregon either. But they weren't all announced yet. So there could be more. Um. Anyway you should go see it if you can, because it was fun. It's not the most expensive Broadway show. It was bonkers. It was the wildest fucking thing I've ever seen. I've listened to the soundtrack. I know what it's about. It is an adaptation of the movie, but the plot is pretty significantly different. Um, It is, I mean, the same, the premise is roughly the same, right? It's about Lydia Dietz who moves into the house of this couple that has just died um in this case beetlejuice is trying to uh become like have a physical body again and be seen by people so that he can scare them and he uses the couple and lydia to try to achieve this goal um the show is very it breaks the fourth wall a lot beetlejuice speaks directly to the audience it has some funhouse ass props Mm -hmm. there is a sandworm it is nuts it is wild it's just like what what the hell? There was it's wild. Um, it's a lot of fun. The music's super catchy. Um it's really crass is the thing. <laughs> like it's very crass. There are some jokes that toe the line of acceptability. Uh I it also makes jokes about the fact that it toes the line of accept of um of uh acceptability. Like there is a joke in not the very first song, but the second song um where he you know does a line of cocaine and then says like or no he says i know you're woke but you can take a joke <laughs> and then it's, it's i know you're woke but you can take a joke here and every show i do like a ton of coke here oh my god um it's extremely fourth wall breaking there's a lot of cussing um yeah i think it's incredible <laughs> like it's so much fun it's weirdly life affirming like the the point of it is not to just be disgusting and crude. It is in fact like very life affirming. It is very much about grief. Um the original movie is also about grief. This is about grief in a different way. Um it's really good. Like I know it doesn't seem like something that would be really good, but it's really good. It's really funny. You just have to be able to handle the crass and crude humor and a couple of jokes that toe the line as far as like what is acceptable to joke about um i think more so than the movie the play is aware of beetlejuice as a villain <laughs> and uh it is it is less about making funny haha gross man and more about like this is a despicable a despicable character <laughs> Even though they give they actually give him kind of a tragic backstory, you're still like, man, this guy sucks. Um, there's a whole song, there's a whole song called Creepy Old Guy, which is just about Beetlejuice. Um, but yeah, I loved it. It was great. Uh it is buck wild though. Like you cannot conceive of how fucking wild this musical is um but it's good so if you like that kind of thing and you can be in new york before january 8th <laughs> check it out or check out the tour dates um again it's it's one of the more affordable broadway shows it wasn't super expensive um it's not it's certainly not hamilton expensive uh, it's not Town expensive so check it out i
1: read um a book called bittersweet by morgan elizabeth which is actually the third book in a series, but it's one of those ones where everything takes place in the same universe, and I didn't want to read the other ones. Um, so I just read this one, which is about a woman who um, is a baker, and she opens her own bakery shop after um, trying to distance herself from her father who is a politician and just an all-around bad guy who she's protected he has um after their mother had died who you learn has ties to the mafia this is not a mafia book um i sounds like the second one might the next one might be but um she dies and asks her two things take care of your sister your younger sister and um Make sure you always take care of your father and pay his debts. And he has a gambling addiction, like hard, like hundred thousand dollar gambling gambling addiction. And she often had to pay his debts. All of her money is gone that was left to her by her rich mother. Um, and she she works really hard to get a loan and open her own bakery shop. And tells her dad, like, I'm done. Don't talk to me anymore she opens it next to a tattoo shop with a grumpy man who likes to stay up late and she's like, I gotta get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and he's like, you're up too early I'm so angry with you. It's another like, I hate you, I hate you even more so much so that I love you Um, and like that's like it like (laughs) (laughs) that's like it she he finds out that she is um in trouble the guy comes and he like the mafia guy comes and like grabs her wrist and um gives her a bruise there and like um threatens her with obviously sexual assault and he comes into the rescue also very cliche Um, He's super grumpy. She finds out he does a bunch of art for charity, and it's just pictures of her. And it's very cute. She bakes a lot. Everyone loves her. And they're like, why are you so dumb? And you should get with her because you clearly like her. And he's like, I don't like anybody. Um, Yeah, that's really... (laughs) there's not much else to the story i like the fact that it was a tattoo artist and a baker into that trope of like grumpy sunshine um if you know any grumpy sunshines that are the woman is the grump i also love those and those are like i don't find those as much so please send them to me if you have any good recommendations um like nesta and cassian which is more of a grumpy up and an idiot um cassian's a real big idiot um, and then there's a couple others that I that I have read um, anyways yeah it was a good book I enjoyed it I thought it was really cute and really fun um, I will read the next one which is about her sister who uh, spoilers you find out is not um, her dad's kid is actually the child of a mafia boss and they want to take her and make her a mafia princess essentially and Looks like maybe that might happen in the next book. So, you know, I love a good mafia book, so I'm sure I'll be reading it. Um, but yeah, it was just really, it was exactly what you would expect from a grumpy sunshine. Girl owns a bakery. Guy owns a tattoo shop. That's it. I don't have much else to say about it. It was really cute. If you want something super easy to read and you like that kind of trope, I suggested it was a really quick read. Um, very simple. I did there. I do feel like there's too much, like one of the reasons I like these kind of romance novels we've figured out is there's lots of dialogue. So it makes it really easy to read. There's a lot of like, she talks a lot about like things that are happening in her mind. There's not as much dialogue and I truly just didn't care. So I just skipped over that part. Um, so I will say there was two, I think it was too wordy in that sense. Um, Cause I really didn't care too much about that. And I don't think I missed anything by not reading some of it um but yeah super simple easy to read a good time i liked it a lot um we'll be reading the next one probably not going to read the first two though Mm -hmm. don't care that much
0: that's all i have i I guess i went to pax too yeah we'll talk about that i'm just going to really quickly talk about little shop of horrors um so we also saw little shop of horrors was it horrible no it was great uh we saw little shop of horrors which is currently off broadway New York Um, tickets for this one were even cheaper than Beetlejuice so get in on that if you can Uh, I have not seen the stage version of Little Shop of Horrors and I've actually only seen the movie once and that was like in 2020 so pretty recent Um, it was delightful Little Shop of Horrors if you're not familiar it's about a guy named Seymour who is kind of Just plodding through life, he works at a flower shop um, with his overbearing boss, whose name I can't remember, and Audrey, who is he is in love with, but she is dating a horrible man who is a dentist. Um, and it's very, it's very funny. It's another very dark comedy. Um, the dentist is absolutely physically abusive to her. Um, but the parts about him being a dentist and why he's a dentist are quite funny. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Anyway, uh, Seymour ends up finding a plant from space that rapidly grows and starts demanding human blood. <laughs> as it as it seems right. <laughs> yeah, um, and Seymour starts feeding it blood and then it starts demanding other things. <laughs> and uh, yeah, <laughs> and it starts attracting a lot of attention because it's a plant nobody's ever seen before. Seymour starts getting all this attention he's never had before. Um, And yeah, it was great. It was really, really good. Um, The performance was excellent. The puppet work, incredible. Everybody was really good. The first, so the first person I think to play Seymour in this particular production was Will from Fire Island. (laughs) The second one was Greg too from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Oh my gosh. Neither of them were performing when we were there. They both left the role since. Um, This was Rob McClure who's been in a bunch of stuff. Um playing seymour uh but it was really good uh again the puppet work amazing the highlight though is absolutely the voice of audrey II, the plant that person has so much fucking range it is unbelievable (laughs) the things that their voice can do um but yeah it was great if you like a horror comedy it's a good one (laughs) um the movie's great too if you you know can't make it to new york to watch it which is fair Um, but it is one of those shows like there there's one near us coming up next month like they're going to start doing a stage version of it here um and i would happily go see a a smaller non off-broadway production of it too um but it's delightful it's super super fun um absolutely worth checking out if you get the opportunity if you don't have the opportunity you can watch the movie which is also great it stars rick moranis and one of the ants from pushing daisies (laughs) Um, Otherwise our other thing that we did another reason that this episode is late it's not late i warned you it's true it is it is uh it is planned late yes um is that we went to pax west uh i appreciate pax west this year required vaccinations not negative tests it required vaccinations have not been to a convention yet that has required vaccinations Um, They also required masks at all times. I would say that mask use at this convention was excellent. Yeah. And they were pretty vigilant. It helped. I think that they had designated mask off areas for eating, Mm -hmm. um, which signaled you need to eat here. You can't eat anywhere. You need to eat here. Um, I appreciated that a lot. It made the convention feel a lot safer. Of course, nothing is completely safe. Right. Mm -hmm. We're undertaking a risk if we go to a convention um it's calculated risk. Yes, but you know, if if conventions must go on during a pandemic, I feel like this is how they should be going on. You know, designated ear- eating areas, masks required, vaccination required. Um yeah, I thought I really liked that about it. Um it was different than previous pax paxes. I'm writing an article about it. Um but uh there were a lot more boutique publishers, I would say, so publishers of of indie games like indie publishers publishing indie games but like not a, a lot fewer developers representing themselves it felt mm-hmm. like the indie mega booth is on a indefinite hiatus um, it was a bummer it was a bummer i felt that was really missed uh because the thing that i think felt most different to me was that having those boutique publishers did not mean there was no interesting work mm-hmm. it just meant that there was a lot less risky yeah work there was a lot of games, there are a lot of games that I have played at PAX in the Indie Mega Booth that have no, that were never finished. They were abandoned, right? Mm. Um, but a lot of those games were very risky, and I like that about them. I'm glad I got the opportunity to play them, even if, you know, they never ha- saw full release for whatever reason. There's lots of reasons. Um, so that was kind of, a, it was kind of a bummer to not have as much of that presence there. Um, but it was still a really good, like, I still had a really good time Um playing games and i only went to one panel which i can talk about but um i uh i did write them down let me open
1: i went to um like mental health and gaming for like youth right it was all right uh the first
0: thing that i did you went the day you went one day on your own no that was that was was emerald Emerald city City? that was emerald yeah i only went saturday sunday monday Okay, yeah. We went Saturday, Sunday, Sunday, Monday. The first thing we did was we went to the Curve Games, like, showcase. Mm -hmm. I went mostly because I wanted to hear about Among Ripples, uh, which is an eco-life sim. It's a strategy (laughs) game with watercolor art. It's set in 2045, and you are... It's cool again. Yeah. You're tasked with, like, uh, reinvigorating a landscape that has been, you know, decimated by human intervention, essentially. Um, I thought that looked super cool. It wasn't a demo, so I can't tell you how it plays. <laughs> but the people who were presenting it were really nice. They were very nice. and I was very funny.
1: Yeah, the guy was talking about how he, in his playthrough, he made a shit ton of otters, and all the otters died, and that was quite he hilarious. Did a bad job taking care of the otters. Yeah, I will say I was impressed. The fact it was like it was clear that these were press people, but like. <laughs> in a room full of men, which it wasn't a huge room. They looked us in the eye.
0: Yeah. (laughs)
1: Like that, just that simple thing. I mean, the bar's on the
0: ground, but like that simple thing in these, in these spaces goes a long way. Yeah, for sure. Um, one of, so I'm skipping a couple of the demos that weren't very good. Uh, one demo I really liked was for a game called tracks of thought, which is a game in which I, it's been a while now. So bear with me as I try to remember, um, you're on a train, you're like trying to solve a little mystery or something um and you play like a little ladybug person surrounded by other bugs uh and a lot of the game is about uh effective conversation and like you use the way that you do this is really really fun you have it's sort of a card based game you use like uh Cards to determine the flow of conversation uh, by what you know about this person, like what is going to appeal to them, and you use that to sway the conversation in one direction or another. Um, it was really cute. I, I liked it a lot. I felt it was really inventive. The art's super cute. Um, so I definitely want to check that one out more. Uh, the demo was good. The writing was good. It was all very cute. On a less good note... <laughs> coffee Talk? Coffee Talk. So Coffee Talk is a game from an indonesian developer and i there's a reason i'm bringing that up coffee talk came out the first one came out in 2020 um and it came out it's free on game pass right now oh, bob, it? bob downloaded it for me uh it came out in like i want to say like june or something so kind of in the midst of the like george floyd anti-police brutality protests um and it was a, it was a very popular game. You play a barista in this game in Seattle and you uh, you prepare beverages for people and you talk to them about their problems and you learn about them. It was very it sounded very cool. It is a fantasy game so people in the game are different fantasy races. They might be ghosts or satyrs or whatever. Um, this game did draw it wasn't like a lot of heat or anything. The game was overall very well received. Um, but it drew a bit of heat for using fantasy races to talk about real world bigotry, um, which is a common criticism of a lot of things because it's like, you know, it's not the same, (laughs) you know, it's just not the same. So it drew a little bit of criticism for that. Not really like, oh, fuck this game. It was just more like, you know, it makes you a little uncomfortable when you're sort of equating, you know, police brutality or something to police in a game like, rounding up demons or something like it's a a demon is not the same as a black person like that's a problematic connection to make um so there was some criticism of that i was curious about it i was like oh maybe they'll do better in this game since it's you know now two years later maybe they've learned something from that criticism um so i played the demo of coffee talk 2 which, uh, is, again, same thing. You play a barista in Seattle. You are preparing drinks for people and learning about their problems. The main focus of this, of the demo, was a cop, a Seattle cop, who I think was named Georgie. <laughs> also not a great choice to it, be George. Yeah. So, I, I played it, and I was willing to go into it with, you know, give it the benefit of the doubt, um... But it was deeply weird to me as a person who lives in the Seattle area to have the police officer be the focus of this and there to be stuff about um, mass resignations at the police department, which is a real thing that happens, (sighs) Mm -hmm. um, including in Seattle, to have vandalism of police cars and then to have the game, assuming that I will sympathize with this cop. And again, they're from Indonesia. They don't live here. But it makes me wonder why Seattle, Like why it was use Seattle as the setting. And to play it and to have the assumption that I'm sympathetic with the Seattle Police Department, which I am not. They're terrible. They are famously terrible. Like, more terrible than usual.
1: Yeah. The Seattle Police are terrible. They're known for just not helping certain groups or certain areas. Yeah. They don't give a shit. They're extremely violent. Yeah. Like, to everybody. To, like, when there were a lot of protests happening, they were, like, amazing children. Yeah. Like, literal, like, 10-year-olds. Yeah.
0: So it was deeply weird to me to play this and have it assume that I my my sympathy would be with this cop because it very much wasn't. And it made me really uncomfortable to play. Like this game is not, it's not it doesn't read to me as like secretly right wing or secretly pro cop or anything. It reads to me as like, do you know that the world exists outside of this game? Maybe some more research would have been good. Yeah. Or for like sure. somebody who
1: lives in Seattle.
0: Oh. Yeah. It was so weird to play and like talk have it talk about mass resignations and just assume that I sympathized with him. Like, because I I fucking don't. Um Maybe you shouldn't be a cop. Yeah, I'm like like the true fact of is it, of it is if somebody tells me they're Seattle Police Department, I'm instantly suspicious of that person. Yeah. Um this Which is why even that even above the level of like the normal suspicion, yeah. Like,
1: well, oh. even the surrounding areas because when everything was happening in um Seattle, they would pull in. They were pulling in cops from outside of seattle right. so it's all the surrounding areas as well and when you do that when you pull in cops from other areas you have people who care even less yeah
0: about the area that they are um infiltrating yeah so this was really weird to play like it was really really weird and i again i don't feel like they're secretly right wing or anything like that i just feel like it is so detached from reality but at the same time it it deliberately invokes the re- the real place of Seattle. Um, I think also
1: like there is just a simply a different like culture happening, and not just like culture like you might think of it normally. I worked with somebody who was from Indonesia, and we had a lot of conversations about um, how America and their individualism. B- like it, how in, their individualism is very, very, very different from other countries, specifically in Indonesia of the collectiveness and like, um, and how those two things, like the way that we see those and the way that they see those are very different things. So I think that there's definitely some cultural fit, like distance, not distancing, cultural not understanding happening.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and this idea that maybe you can become sympathetic with, with a cop may be something that could happen in other places, but here, doesn't it? and shouldn't
0: yeah it was just it was deeply weird like that's the best way i can think to describe it it wasn't bad the game itself was neat i liked the mechanics um but playing it was so weird like i think for the rest of the day i was just like that was so weird it kept it kept you kept with you kept yeah with you. it was just so strange and i don't like i don't know what else to say about it because like i can't say oh it's bad like it is it is kind of bad but like i don't know i don't know it, it left just, a bad taste in your mouth it it left a super bad taste in my mouth like and it sucks because like i really like the idea of the game i would love to play it but when i think about it i'm just like ugh, feels bad feels bad um yeah it wasn't wasn't about that mm. um i also played frank and frank 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 and drake just really screwing those up. Um, published by the same company as Coffee Talk, but by a different developer. Um, this one is a sort of point and click adventure uh, about two roommates who never see each other. They, they are active at different times of the day and they never interact with each other. But together they try to solve a mystery. Um, it was super intriguing. I thought it was really neat. It was really well done. I love the art is done with rotoscoping. Um, which is when you trace over live actors and it gives Mm. us this kind of uncanny sense of movement, um, which I thought was great. Um, I really liked the demo. Very interested to see where this one goes. I had a really good time with it. Kind of wish I had... My original appointment schedule was to play Coffee Talk and then Frank and Drake, but Coffee Talk was busy, so I played Frank and Drake first. I wish I had played Frank and Drake second so I had a positive experience left over from there. Uh, but it was really neat. That was basically oh, Saturday was Saturday when we went to the panel also? Yes.
1: Yeah, Saturday I think was the cozy.
0: Yeah. So Saturday we went to the wholesome games panel. I made Missy go to this one. She and did. And I'm so glad I did. She did make me go to this one. I have I'm gonna probably write an article. Like a we're gonna do like a round table on this at SideQuest, so I'm not gonna go like super deep into it. I have a lot of mixed feelings about the term wholesome games. Um which basically boiled down to at their most like at its most reduced form i don't think wholesome is the right word for the phenomenon or the art style or the gameplay style that wholesome games the organization is promoting i just don't think wholesome games is it um but the panel was pretty good like i I missy was ready she was ready to be like, "Fuck this." Well, the thing, the thing that bothers me about Wholesome Games, and I'm going to talk a bit out of my ass here because I haven't played the game in question. A lot of people played Boyfriend Dungeon, right? It's we demoed it, we did demo it, but we missed the the all of the content that was the the issue. So, Boyfriend Dungeon is a combination dungeon crawler and um, visual novel in which you date anthropomorphized weapons. Um, it was really cool. Yeah, so there was a lot of blowback to Boyfriend Dungeon in particular because um, the game did come with a warning at the beginning that like some content could be disturbing or something like that, but it didn't specify what it was. This is a spoiler for the game. So if you haven't played it, just fast forward maybe 30 seconds. Um, there is a stalking plot line in the book or in the, in the game, um, which is in fact like the plot. It's not avoidable. Um, and a lot of players were kind of taken by surprise that that was part of the game. And that's fair, and I don't think that and and like Kit Fox the developer added a warning, a more specific warning about about the content of the game to give people a more informed a more informed preview of what kind of content they they might be encountering, which is fine and good. I'm glad they did it, you know, whatever. The thing that gives me pause about this whole thing is that I don't know where everybody got the idea that there would be nothing objectionable in Boyfriend Dungeon. I
1: know. I remember playing it and I didn't, I, I, knowing what I know now about the quote unquote, um, I almost said humble, cozy games and stuff like that. I don't, I wouldn't. Cozy games is different. Oh, okay. Cozy Wholesome games. Wholesome games. Wholesome games. I, it didn't even have that like art style that stereotypically I would feel.
0: There were a lot of flowers and there's romance in it and there's queerness in it. And so. It wasn't it, to my knowledge it wasn't like rope like lumped in with wholesome games especially I think it predated the like wholesome games twitter account and wholesome direct and that kind of thing mm. I think it predates that but the response to it was of a kind with the response to for example queer art that isn't wholesome and the fact there seems to be this assumption that if something is queer it must make you feel good and I don't think that's fair I don't like the limit the limitations that it puts on art. Looking at wholesome games as a branding technique, I have a lot of resistance to it because people use wholesome to mean different things. I did an entire podcast episode about this. It's not available yet, but it will be available. The podcast is called post game and it is the podcast that i do with the other editors of side quest the episode in particular is the one we did on a bewitching revolution it probably won't be up by the time this comes out but keep an eye out for it um we talked a lot about what wholesomeness means and the, the different ways that you can use the word and wholesomeness is such a vague word that it gets used to mean a lot of things and they talked about this in the panel um one of my favorite parts was, uh, I am sorry, I don't have everybody's full names. One of the panelists was named Alex, um, and they cited Queers in Love at the End of the World as wholesome, and noted that the creator of Queers in Love at the End of the World, uh, Anna Anthropy, would probably disagree. Um, they, and that's a very difficult game. It is. It's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful game. I Absolutely worth recommend playing it. It'll take you literally thirty seconds. Um, you in this game, it's the end of the world. You're queer, you're with your partner, and you have only, I can't remember if it's 30 or 10 seconds, to make a choice about what you're going to do and then read what happens and then the world ends. It's a difficult game, right? Like, that's, nobody mm-hmm. likes that. Nobody nobody likes that experience. But the point of the game is to embrace the, um, the, like, the, the, tra- the transience of time, right? Like, the point of the game is is the appreciation of what you have in your short time span. The game is called Queers in Love at the End of the World because it is a game about queerness, right? It is about, you know, whatever brief time we have together, treasuring that. It's you know, it's a the game is about ending. Like the game is about a lot of things. Alex the panelist cited that. I think that's Dor- Dirtbag boyfriend. I believe so Yeah, I'm I pretty think sure that was Alex. Um they cited that as something that they would think of as a wholesome game but that most people would not. And that that more than anything, I think helped me think about what they were doing in the panel um more positively, mm. because wholesome used outside, like wholesome is often used to describe games that like look cute, in which you, you know, farm or whatever mm-hmm. in which queerness is allowed. It, they often have a pastel art style. I'm thinking Animal Crossing, Ooblets, Um, Calico. I love Calico. Uh, there's other ones. Those are the ones that are immediately coming to mind. Um, my issue is that wholesome is an unspecific term. And when we look at something like Boyfriend Dungeon, that you know didn't make any promises about its wholesomeness. But people assumed, oh, queer content, flowers, romance. This is going to be a game that makes me feel good. And it was not that game. And people harassed the voice actor. People harassed the developers. Because they felt that they were sold something incorrect. And they did not like the feeling of playing through an upsetting storyline. And I want to be clear. I think it's totally fair to not like that storyline. And to feel that the content warning was insufficient. Like, that's fine. Um, No, you know. No big deal there. You still shouldn't harass people, but I digress. Um, uh, One of the ways that they did talk about wholesome games in the panel that I thought was effective was, uh, I think it was Jenny Windham. I hope that's not a typo, but that's the name I wrote down. Um, I say I hope it's not a typo because there's a lot of typos in this document. (laughs) Um, uh, Jenny Windham said something like, wholesome games are about finding beauty and wonder in the mundane. That's the kind of definition that I think makes sense, right? Like, that mm-hmm. is, that is a definition that I can see as wholesome that describes a certain kind of game. Is that the, is that reflective of wholesome, though? That's mm-hmm. that's where the friction comes in for me. That's where I struggle. I said I wasn't going to go on and on about this because I read an article and I'm going on and on about it. But <laughs> it was a good panel. It was a
1: good panel. It was really interesting. And I thought the, the things they had to say were different than uh, what I had expected. Yeah. Um, I didn't get to come out with Missy getting angry, which I do truly love. <laughs> Missy is very much deeper into um, games uh, drama because of what she does. And so I get to hear all of it and not have to worry about it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's great. Yeah, I uh, the panel the panel honestly it surprised me. Not because I like thought the people on it were going to be terrible or stupid or anything. But the just, conversations you see online. Yeah, it's there's so much uh, I don't know. It's hard. There's a really great article again I talk about this in the the post game episode. Um there's a really great article from Skeleton at uh Deep Hell. I don't fully agree with it, but it's called Against Wholesomeness, and it talks about a lot of the problems with the label of wholesome games and like the kind of limitations that it places on what kind of art, you know, can express itself in a given way. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting conversation. I think they did a, a good job of tackling this conversation. Um, I still don't like wholesome as a term, is what I can. I think that's with. fair. It's too subjective. Yeah, it means so many different things. Um, on a different note, I played uh, the last case of Benedict Fox, uh, which was is, that the weird one the that we sat down for. <laughs> yes, that was cool. Last case of Benedict Fox is like an action adventure game in which you play Benedict Fox, who is like a like a paranormal investigator or something like that. He gains powers from his tattoos, and you engage with the real world and like the spirit world. Um, you fight enemies and stuff. It was a lot of fun. It was hampered somewhat by the fact that they had me playing on a giant screen <laughs> and everybody could see me like a huge screen, like enormous, like large feet, like, I don't know, eight feet by six feet or something. Like <laughs> it was huge. huge. It was huge. And everybody walking by could see me play. Um, and Missy's actually bad at games. And I'm bad at games. I'm not good at them. The guy that we
1: were Was that the guy who was like also saying, like, I'm not good at games. I played... I was a games journalist for a million years. Two people said that. exactly
0: Because yeah. I, I was. there was two games that I played that I was really, really bad at. And I knew I was going to be bad at them. And they're like, oh, yeah, I used to do games journals. And we're not good at games. It's not about being good. Yeah. <laughs> um, You're good at writing. Yes. My skill is in writing, not in playing video games. Uh, last case of Benedict Fox, though. I had trouble hearing... Um, and there was a lot going on. And it was hot. It was hot. It was hard for me to hear. So I was sweating on their leather couch. <laughs> I missed a lot of the plot and I was really bad at it. But it was really fun. Um, The art was really neat. It was very colorful and then not colorful when it needed to be. Cool mechanics. Yeah, the mechanics that being able to like change your tattoos or like add tattoos to like upgrade. It was essentially your skill tree, but it, it's adding tattoos instead and having those have magical yeah, effects. That's cool. Super cool. Um, yeah, it was really good. I would definitely check that one out. Um, I also, so I didn't get to play it, but I am playing it now and this will come out after embargo's up. So we sat down with, um, watch I games to preview the excavation of Hobbs Barrow Which is a point-and-click adventure about uh, a woman named Thomasina who who travels to this, like, remote English village to excavate a barrow, which is, like, an ancient gravesite. It's a folk horror game. um, And it definitely is folk horror. It's super good. I've been playing it. I'm not finished with it yet. Um, It's great. It's really spooky. Um, it was cool. It yeah. looks like the art was some of the so cool, most gorgeous pixel art I've ever seen in my yeah. entire life. Like absolutely mind blowing pixel art. Um, the uh, the voice acting is excellent. The writing is excellent. It is legitimately a super fucking good game. Um, I'll talk about it a bit more maybe next. What we've been up to once I've actually finished it. I think I'm close to the end. Um, the puzzles are difficult, but not. They're not like old adventure games where like they're incomprehensible and you just have to guess. I have had to email the press person a couple of times for <laughs> hints because I've gotten stuck and since the game isn't out yet, there are no guides anywhere. Um, but I'm really liking it. I think it's really good. Uh, the last appointment demo I had is for The Last Hero of Nostalgaia, which I think is out now what or that one? will be out really soon. This is a game that is sort of a Souls-like um, you pl- and it takes place in a world in which the graphics, the graphical fidelity is has been stripped away, and so you play a little stick man, um, trying to bring high definition back to the world uh it's described as, <laughs> oh like, yeah, yeah oh yeah it's descri- <laughs> It's de- you're so bad I was so bad at it it's described as like uh the stanley parable meets dark souls for good reason it, yeah no it's so accurate the narrator like chides you and makes fun of you um but you're playing this like it's very like dark souls like a rolling is a key mechanic um I was so bad at this <laughs> game. So bad, I couldn't equip things. I I accidentally so I couldn't figure out how to get more mana. I chose a spellcaster, so I'm like, oh, in Dark Souls, spell casting is easy is easier than hitting things with a sword. But I ran out of mana, and I couldn't figure out how to get more <laughs> mana. So I was like, well, I'll equip my sword. I could not figure out how to equip my sword. Uh, and then I unequipped my shield, so not only did I <laughs> not have a weapon, so I had no funny. defense. All I was doing was running around and rolling, going, "Oh, ah, what do I do?" It was so funny. Uh, eventually, I died, and then I figured out how to equip my sword and proceeded with the game. I did not finish the demo; like I was. It took me so long. But I will say, like, you were bad at it, but it was still
1: fun, right? It was
0: fun. Yeah, it was really fun. And I was talking with one of the uh, press people, I think, about it. And they were like, they were saying something like, because the tone is humorous, it doesn't feel so punishing when you lose. It's just funny. Like, it it, it really lightens up the mood. Especially since it seems so simple. Yeah, I don't feel like the game is saying get good noob at me. It's just kind of like, of course you would fail, (laughs) but like in a funny way. Um, It's not a game that I will probably play uh, unless my husband gets it, because I think my husband will really like it. And I made him watch the trailer and he's like, oh, yeah, that does look good. Um, But if you like that kind of game, it's worth checking out. It was fun. I had a good time with it, even though I was really, really bad, like unbelievably bad at it. It was vaguely embarrassing. Um, another game we played uh, was Melatonin. Oh gosh, a rhythm game about dreaming. I was so bad. The only game harder than the last year of Nostalgia. I I was a little like
1: I think the game would benefit from being a little easier. I agree.
0: Actually, (laughs) it was really hard, and I think the thing that was hard about it was it was hard to figure out when you were what was right. I think there just needed to be
1: lower levels and more comprehensive training
0: yeah it was really neat though it has a really cute art style in this game you play a person who's dreaming about like various things in their life and you have to um, press it's you know it's a rhythm game you have to press the buttons in time with the music um it was really hard though like it was really really hard um but it was fun even when it was hard it wasn't like it was fun it didn't you didn't have to like it didn't make you stop the level or anything like yeah. that. You could play through the whole level doing a shit job. It just wasn't one of those it wasn't like um frosted
1: donut, whatever that's called. We'll
0: talk about that one. Next. Yeah.
1: Where it was like you get into the rhythm and it's fun. It was just hard.
0: Yeah, it was really hard. But it
1: was still enjoyable.
0: Yeah, I think that and I think the fact that it didn't like make you stop the level, like you don't have a certain number of misses before mm-hmm. the level ends. I think that was smart because yeah. it makes the game not feel frustrating. Um so uh yeah it was fun it was fun i would be willing to check out the full version when it comes out but uh it was hard um yeah it was hard the other one that i would talk about is freshly frosted which that is was so good already out in this game it's a puzzle game where you make donuts and you have to set up the uh the, l- the little donut machines to um, create the correct kind of donuts for your customers. It was so cute. It was good. It was so
1: fun. I'm going to get it when I'm done with the game I'm currently playing.
0: Yeah, I really liked it. It's out now. You can get it. Um, It's a zone out kind of game. Yeah. I zoned out on a PAX floor. It's so cute. It's so fun. Just really delightful. Um, One of the things this year at PAX did not have a lot of tabletop games. No. It was like... Two vendors, and they were no. That's not true. There were some other vendors, but they were mostly selling dice. Yeah, um, they were selling D D stuff or like very popular board games. I like card exten-
1: extension extensions. Yeah, or pa- uh, b- bonus packs and stuff like that.
0: There was not a big tabletop RPG presence, which was disappointing. Um, but we did make use of the packs lending library to play oh, some cool yes. games. Um, probably the highlight was Watergate. Oh, Watergate was so good. Uh, we grabbed it because we're like, what kind of game could be
1: this? Yeah, day? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Um, so we uh, we played Watergate, which is a two player board game in which one person plays the Nixon administration and one plays the editor of a newspaper, and you try to the Nixon administration has to keep the other player from finding out um, about the corruption scandals and that kind of thing. Um, using different tactics and the editor is trying to uncover and make connections between um the various people involved in the scandal um so that they can report it and break uh, break the news it was really fun
1: like it was it was fun. really fun we played two rounds of it and it was just really i wish it was multiplayer like yeah. or more than two players yeah
0: it was so fun though like i had a great i had a great time playing it it was probably like one of the best games i played at PAX yeah, it was delightful. We have to buy it online because no one has it. Yeah, we've looked. Um, another one we played was Burgle Bros. Burgle Bros. was really fun, and I could see how it would be a lot of fun. I fucked up the setup really bad.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of a, like it's not confusing to set up, but
0: I think that it. Uh, part of the problem was that our rule book was ripped. Yeah, and out of order. Yeah, which made it very difficult to set up correctly. So I was hopping back and forth between the torn up rule book and my phone. Yeah. with the PDF. Um I Not, think it would also be more fun with more people. I agree. I yeah. think it's, I think it would be better with three or more people. You could play it with two, but I think three or more would be preferable. But in this game, you are staging a heist. Um, you turn over tiles that reveal like what's in that room. You have to look out for guards, you have to use your abilities to escape the guards, um, and steal things from safes. So I definitely want to check out Burgle Bros again, maybe just with another person with an intact rule book. Um, we played Fog of Love. Which interesting. really interesting. So in this game, you play effectively a romance movie. One player plays one person. The other player plays a different person. And you have a mixture of choosing your own traits from a dealt hand and having the other person like dictate what they noticed about your character that helps inform who you are. The thing about this game, it's really complex to set up. And when you're playing it from a lending library, the cards are all mixed up and you can't play the introductory scenario because it requires you... I mean, you can play it. We did it. But it was really hard yeah. because the cards instead of like, you know, a lot of times the tutorial will be like all laid out in the um in the rule book. In this case it's played out through cards which were not sorted. They're they're supposed to be sorted in a specific order, but they were not in that order and there was way, no way to know what that order is. Um I really that sounds super confusing, but if you've played Fog of Love, you know. Um It was a really ambitious game. It's really ambitious. It's a really, really cool idea. Like to have your the arc of your romance story be gamified um really like i really like the idea the thing that i ran into while playing it was that i just wanted to play a tabletop rpg like it just it made me want to play a tabletop rpg not a board game um i think it's cool i think it's a fun maybe for people like uh people who are really into tabletop rpgs but like their partner isn't Mm -hmm. that's probably a good way to bridge the gap um really neat idea the execution didn't convince me to buy it there are other games that i would prefer to play and most of them are tabletop rpgs if we're going to go in a story direction before i would play fog of love again but it was really cool it was beautiful like the art beautiful the color scheme beautiful the presentation of it was excellent um but as far as like the mechanics go it was cool it was interesting but it didn't convince me the way that like Pearl bros or watergate did yeah um we also played Pantone, which is based on the color, the colors thing, the paint colors. It thing. was so good. And in this game, you get little, you have little color swatches, and you have cards with different pop culture figures on them, and you use the card, the color swatches, to build representations of the pop culture figures and try to get the other person to guess who they are. <laughs> it was a rowdy, wild, quick. It was so super funny. Fun game. If we were having a blast playing it. Um, toward the end of the game I started to get a migraine, um, which impacts the last game I'll talk about. Um, but it was a lot of fun. Uh it's another one that I would love to pick up and play with more friends. Um, my nose sound is making me sound <laughs> terrible right now. I'm sorry. My sinuses are bad. Um, drowning in my own snot. Uh anyway, it was a lot of fun. Definitely recommend that one. We had a really good time with it. Uh the last game we played was Letter Jam. Which is a sort of almost like competitive word or cooperative wordle. Um, each player has a, it's been a bit. And like I said, I started getting a migraine at the end of Pantone and I, the migraine was like progressing by this point. Uh, I was struggling with the rules quite a bit. Um, each player has a word that they make and then they swap with the other person, but you can't see the word. And then you try to make people guess what letters are in their hand, um, using different clues and like process of elimination. It was really fun. It was another one that I think would be better with more people. Um, it was so, yeah, it it would be better and easier. (laughs) Yeah. Um, it would also be better if the person reading the rules didn't have a migraine. Um, (laughs) So I recommend that. Um, but it was a lot of fun. If you like Wordle, especially if you have like a group of friends that play Wordle together, mm-hmm. it's totally worth playing Letter Jam together because I feel like it would be really fun. Um, but yeah, it was a good time. Um, I also played Minako's, oh, yeah. Minako's or Mineko's, Mineko's? Mineko's Night, Market. Night
1: Market, which is a story of a girl who goes and lives in a town. She's new to a town and it's very, I don't know how do you describe it, like it's not like animal crossing but she goes around and like learns about people and then there's this also this storyline of um capitalism (laughs) is coming into town and you have to go save the cats and it was super cute um i didn't finish the demo because it got kind of hard um it's not out on switch yet um but when it does come out on switch which should be soon um i will be getting it it was it was very cute you make friends with the people you go make them flowers you get like a workshop type thing which is what reminded me of um animal crossing but it is different but the the saving of the cats was really good i thought it mixed like enough of like at least for me a little bit of hard
0: with um very sweet so i like that one a lot cool um that's it for this episode uh, you can find us online at fakeygirlscast.com which has all of our previous episodes, um, and also our episode transcriptions. We did I'm working on a new one, which by God, it better be up by the time this comes out, which is for the pushing daisies episode. Mm-hmm. Um, uh thank you to Emily June for helping with those those transcriptions. Mm-hmm. Um it's a big project and it's not easy so i appreciate the help uh if you really like us consider throwing in a dollar or so or more or more on our patreon uh patreon is i'm sure you know you know what patreon is. a patron 2022 uh a small amount on patreon goes a long way helps us fund the amount of books i bought for the sandman episode the total is three Mm -hmm. i bought three fucking books for that episode um so you deserve it well, there are three books about Sandman. You still love Sandman. That's true. I do love Sandman. Um, So they better make a season two because I have more to say. Um, <laughs> I, I'm so sure they're going to. It did very well. Yeah. It hasn't been renewed yet.
1: It, I'm, I bet you it will. Unless uh, it was like super expensive to make.
0: I could see that. Yeah.
1: And then they didn't get enough. I don't know. Netflix doesn't really release how they make those decisions. They don't really
0: i think they throw darts at a board they do
1: no they do and like that's part of the reason they've been criticized um a lot for it and why they've lost a lot of money on different things also they do no promotion for like
0: 90 percent of the shit they do yeah um but that did get a lot of promotion yeah so um yeah so if you support us on patreon that's what it goes to it goes to me buying books for this podcast uh next time we're going to be talking about the sandman the show and the first two arcs of the story preludes and nocturnes and the doll's house as well as the bonus episode of the show um which is two short stories dream of a thousand cats and calliope yes which i will no doubt say wrong throughout the episode i will say calliope just call it sea C- sea C- guy sea <laughs> C- girl sea C- girl <laughs> uh, miss Lopy. after after that episode we're going to be doing practical magic the oh book, so excited and the movie um very excited to talk about that one uh yeah I have a lot of thoughts and I'm excited to talk about them uh, after that we're going to be doing Daria this is a commission Yay. I've never seen Daria so good uh, I'm interested to see my thoughts on Daria um, and after that we're going to be doing Russian Doll probably unless a sweep of votes comes in at the end here which I don't think is going to no. happen um, I'm very excited to talk about Russian Doll because I fucking love Russian Doll all um, oh, I heard last night
1: with my friends was cockroach <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which sounds like Papa Roach. Papa Roach. That's what it's really about. It's really about Papa Roach. Um, but that's it. All right. Catch on the flip side.